0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today I am chatting with another Melissa, so it's the Melissa, Melissa show today. Um, and she's actually an integrative health practitioner. And basically what that is, is they combine Eastern and Western medicine together and try to see exactly what you can do so you're not on medication for the rest of your life, which I really appreciate that because just recently I was put on some medication that didn't quite agree with me and I had to get off of it. But in the course of our conversation, she talks about several steps that you can take as far as training yourself to go to sleep, um, reducing the stress level in your body. There's also a free quiz, which actually is a free gift for you as a uh, listener of the podcast. And so I've linked that in the show notes where you can go in and you can, what they call a toxic load, find out what your toxic load is on your, um, in your body. And basically it just tells you what your body's missing, where your, your inconsistencies and where, why you're feeling so bad instead of having to go through all these medical tests. So I really hope you enjoy this talk. We focus more on women's health because it is women's history month. But I really think that you are going to enjoy this talk and learn a few few things. Um, so you know what I need you to do right now? That's right, start listening. Welcome back to the blog, um, As you know, it's Women Empowerment Month, Women's History Month. So we before I start introducing our guest, um, I wanted to share a quote. This one is by Louise Hay, and it says, I choose to make the rest of my life the best of my life. So I think this is important because what we're going to talk about today with Melissa, because this is Melissa Melissa's show, we're going to talk about your health. So Melissa, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us who you are.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me here. I love your intro, by the way, and I love that quote. I love that quote because I talk about self-care being the most selfless act because it allows us to show up and give the world the best of us instead of what's left of us. So when we're talking about our best life and giving our the best of us, what do we need for that is absolutely health. But just to go back and tell my story a little bit, I'm originally Australian. I know I don't sound that way. I had the good fortune to be raised in Japan and go to the international schools in Japan and finish high school and university in Australia. And then I started traveling around the world as all Aussies do. And uh, after a year and a half of traveling, I ended up in the beautiful Whistler, British Columbia, where I was only here for one season. But I decided that living in nature, living in the mountains, was a better option to going to the UK and living in London and being in merchant banking and the high stress lifestyle of that job. And that I knew even then money didn't buy happiness. I was all of 22. And I chose lifestyle and nature and health versus you know, that stressed out and poor eating, typical habit of the banking world. And it's funny when I look back now because I actually got into tourism for 24 years and then got laid off six years ago. So for all the people that have been laid off during COVID, I feel you. I've been there. I've done that and had to figure out how to reinvent myself. And in the moment of being laid off without a word of thanks for 24 years of service, big fish bought little fish and they didn't care about me. I decided I was never working for someone else again and whatever I did next had to be a service. And I had no idea what that would be, but I was open to being guided. And through family health issues, uh, both my kids having concussions at the exact same time, shortly after I'd found out about really good nutrition for the brain, I knew I was being guided. In fact, when I got that second call about my daughter, my younger daughter having a concussion two months after my first daughter in gym class, in grade 8. Mm. I lit- I was driving and I literally looked up and said, "Really? This is how you show me my path? Stop taking out my children." <laughs> <laughs> there weren't any more to take out. I only have two wonderful daughters, but it, what that allowed is it allowed me to bring a nutritional piece to healing from concussion, which wasn't really being addressed. Everybody's looking at, you know, how to heal the brain but not looking at the role that nutrition plays in that. And uh It intrigued me. I also had that aha moment of what do other people do who don't have a mom that isn't actually working right now that can go to all of their appointments with them because they're in no state to remember the information that's being told to them of their next steps, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I realized people need guidance on their healing journey because when you're in it, you feel like crap, you feel alone, you're not even sure if you're doing it right, etc, etc. And when that happens, we're in a stress state, and the body doesn't heal under stress. But when you can sit back and relax, because you have somebody else telling you exactly what you need to do every step of the way, then you're going to have true healing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have any certification or qualification, though. I just had the experience of working with my kids and all my research that I was doing. And again, I wasn't the person who was sick. So I had the energy to do that research and look at different options for them. And I decided that I really liked this. I decided there was a need for this in the market. And I talked to others and definitely got feedback that, yes, you should totally do this. There is a need. And I went back to school. So I went back to school initially to become a registered and certified health coach. Loved it from the moment I jumped in. And then when I completed that, I went into transformational coaching mastery. And from there, I went into integrative health practitioner work, which is really where my focus is now. Focusing on helping people discover their toxic load as well as empty it. I say empty your trash cans. And I love to ask people, are your trash cans overflowing? And no, I don't mean the ones you put out on the street. I mean, the ones inside your body, your liver and your kidneys, because we do live in a toxic world and know where we live might not be as bad as Beijing or Mumbai or Delhi, but it's still far more toxic than it was even 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And it's putting great pressure on our liver and kidneys to get those toxins out of our body. And when we don't, it causes inflammation, it, and that can then signal cells to turn on disease, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I start with people is discovering their toxic load, and then we move into using the power of functional medicine lab tests, which allow us to see exactly what's going on inside the body so that we can understand, you know, potential root cause of what's going on because when we can get to the root cause – We can work to correct that, bring the body back into balance, at which point the body will heal itself rather than just masking symptoms with drugs that don't actually heal and that you're required to take for the rest of your life and that potentially cause more side effects that require another drug to mask that one. And it's, you know, a rabbit hole that people are ending up down that Mm I think is wrong, personally. I think it's all about big pharma optimizing shareholder profit. Their focus is on chronic illness. They want people to have to take their drugs every single day versus on the holistic health side where we really focus on optimizing human health and allowing true healing.
0: Okay, so you said you're an integrative health practitioner. Tell us in layman terms what that is, because I know that's a lot of big words put together and a lot of people get kind of scared of like, okay, kind of voodoo stuff. So tell us exactly what that is.
1: So nothing voodoo at all. First of all, I just want to say I do not diagnose and I do not cure. That is the role of the mainstream medical doctor. I simply look for these toxic overloads and imbalances and then help guide the body back to a place of balance. Because modern life just has us, you know, so stressed out, out of balance, over here, not enough sleep, etc., that it can't get itself back. So using natural herbs and supplements, we support the body to come back into this place of balance, at which point it will heal itself. The integrative part is that we, we use... Um, techniques or forms from different types of medicine. So we'll use a lot of herbs from Ayurvedic medicine, which is 6,000-year-old medicine from India, right? And Mm -hmm. what they created 6,000 years ago, modern science is only starting to understand now, which is kind of crazy, but they have a massive population, and they've been practicing this for a long time, and it's highly effective. We also use Chinese traditional medicine. We use Um, knowledge from orthomolecular medicine so from naturopathic medicine you know there's seven different types and what it comes down to is the person that I did my training with he had at the age of 17 a number of diseases that he was diagnosed with by his doctor and told you will never get better So here, take these drugs for the rest of your life. And he didn't want to accept that. And he felt really failed by mainstream medicine. So he set out on a journey to determine, well, what is the best medicine in the world and which one can heal me? And through that journey, he discovered there is no one best medicine, but when we pull things from each of them and apply them together, that's the best medicine. And that's where we can you know, help people come back into balance, mm-hmm. and the body will take over because the body is an incredible healing machine. It, You know that it heals a cut finger, and it mm-hmm. can heal a broken arm. But sometimes we just burden it with too much. It can't do everything at once. And so we need to add that support so that it can do more and come back into balance and fully heal.
0: So how can you tell if your body's out of balance?
1: So symptoms, our body talks to us all the time. But again, in our modern busy life, we tend to ignore those symptoms because we're too busy thinking about something else, right? We're trying to get the next thing done. Or we're just very quick to write things off as aging or genetics or seasonal allergies. And so, When our body is talking to us in some way, shape, or form, it might be a runny nose, it might be headaches, it might be pain in the gut, it might be gas or bloating. These are all signs that your body is talking to you, asking you to do something different. And whenever your body's talking to you in this way, it's an indication that something is out of balance. And I love to say, listen when your body whispers so that it doesn't have to yell at you. Because if you don't address it early on, it's going to talk to you in more ways and create more symptoms until finally it feels like it's yelling at you and maybe you're having to check into hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have a um, Discover Your Toxic Load quiz, and this is a quiz getting you to think about how often do these symptoms show up in my life? And it's a very quick quiz to do. It's about 105 questions, but you just answer like rarely or you know, once a month, once a week, or daily kind of thing. And that is an aha for people because it gets them thinking about these symptoms and it gets them thinking about the way their body is talking to them. And these are all signs the body's out of balance. So if somebody wants to do that quiz, you've put it right there, they can go in and do it in order to assess where is my body out of balance and what is my toxic load.
0: What is the most common out of balance area in the body?
1: Um, I would say probably the gut. And again, the research around our microbiome is all very new in the last six or seven years. But Hippocrates said, whatever it is, 3,000 years ago that he was around, that all health starts in the gut, right? So now again, modern science is coming around to validate this. And when we know how to heal our gut, we can bring the body back into balance. But there's so many things that will put the gut out of balance. And, you know, two of the biggest are poor sleep and high stress, which so many people struggle with, right? And then high stress can also put hormones out of balance. There's a lot of women in today's day and age that are estrogen dominant, that creates a whole bunch of symptoms that they suffer through, not realizing they can actually do something about to bring their body back into balance because we haven't been taught. We get taught as young girls about puberty in grades four and five, right? Mm-hmm. But there's not a venue for teaching women about menopause or perimenopause or even infertility issues in your 20s and 30s. And So much of those issues are the result of our hormones being out of balance because our hormones are always changing throughout life. And they, too, are impacted by our stress levels and our sleep levels and the health of our gut. We're all interconnected. So we can't just look at one part of us and focus on that. We have to look at, okay, this is what's going on. But if we heal this, we're going to be able to heal this and this and this if we do it the right way. So let's talk about some women's issues since this
0: is Women's History Month. What are the most common issues that women have with their health?
1: Uh, so when it comes down to hormones, etc., as I said, it's estrogen dominance. Now, that is when the body can have normal levels of estrogen, but low progesterone production. And we're looking at that ratio of progesterone to estrogen. So even if estrogen is normal, but progesterone is low, it triggers estrogen dominance. And this is extremely common because what happens when we're in a state of chronic stress, which many of us are, we, if you go back to your hunter gather days, the brain is charged with keeping us safe. And if it feels we're not safe, it's going to put us into a state of chronic stress where it's going to flood the body with cortisol and adrenaline so we can fight or flee, right? Mm-hmm. In that, in the effort to do that, the body needs to shut down other systems that aren't needed at that time, such as digestion. If you're trying to run away from a lion, you don't care about the sandwich that you might've eaten earlier, right? Correct. Right. <laughs> and it's also going to shut down procreation. Don't need it. Right in that moment. Let's get to safety first. So, what happens is, in order to produce more cortisol, the body does something called the progesterone steal. It steals from progesterone and stops producing progesterone in order to produce more cortisol. But estrogen, it continues to be produced at normal levels. But that's how we get deficient in progesterone over time and put ourselves into this state of estrogen dominance. Hmm. So that's just one scenario, right? There's a few we can have. That's what I was talking about, normal estrogen and low progesterone. We can have low estrogen and low progesterone. We can have low estrogen, low progesterone, low testosterone, right? Hmm. I had that two years ago when I went back to my naturopath and said, I need to run one of those labs because at the time I wasn't certified yet in my integrative health practitioner training, so couldn't run them myself. And she looked at my lab and said, I don't know how you're still standing, but I was there because my body was talking to me and I knew it and I knew I needed to do something about it. So these are all extremely common. In addition to cortisol imbalances, which is another hormone, our cortisol levels should be highest in the morning as we wake up to give us energy to start our day. And then it you know, drops in half about by lunchtime and half again by dinnertime, and then half again to bedtime. So it's lowest at bedtime. And we want that cycle, because cortisol and melatonin are inverse hormones, we need melatonin for good sleep. And we need it to be high at bedtime. So we need cortisol to be low at bedtime. It's very easy in our modern, stressed out, go, 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 do, do, do world for our cortisol to not be in that beautiful rhythm that it's designed to be in. And then we struggle with sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And then we wake up in the morning and we're exhausted and we reach for coffee to start our day and maybe a sugary treat because our body's scree- our brain is screaming for energy. We didn't get energy through sleep. So the other way to get it is through food, Right and we're reaching for quick energy fixes. And then that can put us on a cycle of, you know, coffee and sugar to start the day, which feels great for a couple hours and then we crash. So that's mid morning, we, we have more coffee, we have another sugar retreat. Feel great, that gets us to lunchtime. Well, anytime we eat, we also are boosting insulin, et cetera. So feel good for a bit, crash. Oh, look, it's mid afternoon, have something else. And we do this all day long, but then by the time we're trying to go to sleep, we're tired, but wired. And it's a combination of our cortisol levels, but also how much caffeine we've had during the day, because caffeine has an eight hour Mm. half-life. What that means is if you have a cup of coffee at say 7 a.m. to get you started in your day and turn on your brain, half of that is still running around in your veins at 3 p.m., eight hours later, and half of that, again, at 11 p.m. when you're trying to go to sleep. And that's on one cup. If wow. you have three or four cups during the day, you've got a lot of caffeine running through your bloodstream at bedtime. And then you can't sleep. And then you wake up and do it all again the next day because you wake up exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. So. Understanding this is really important for people because we are a fairly coffee-addicted society. You just got to look at the number of Starbucks and other coffee shops out there, right, on every corner. And when I work with clients, I very often will have them um, wean off that coffee addiction, and they're amazed that they start sleeping better right away and, as a result, feeling like they have more energy. So they thought they were drinking the coffee for energy. But when they get rid of it, they actually find they have more energy without it. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So you talk about we're talking. Let's go back to this. When you mentioned sleep, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that women can do? Because obviously they're running around. A lot of them are either single moms or they're working jobs with their husbands and they have to come home and they have to work with. You have to do the housework as well as taking care of the kids, you know, not to say that dads don't do, because I know some dads who are incredible, but there are some dads that are pretty hands off as well. What can moms do as far as self-care to make sure they get that sleep, to make sure that they're in balance with their health?
1: So I have a whole sleep program that I teach. And one of the things that I teach is to plan your day around your sleep. When you prioritize your sleep first, You are setting yourself up so much more for success and you can actually achieve more when you wake up energized and you're much more able to focus and you're much more stress resilient. So you're less likely to go into a place of overwhelm, which just has you in ping, ping, ping mode and not really get anything done and everything takes longer. So when I say plan your day around your sleep, what I mean is if you know the time that you have to wake up in the morning to, you know, get yourself ready, get the kids out the door, get yourself to work, say you have to wake up at 6 a.m., we all need seven to nine hours of sleep a night. So that means you need to be getting into bed around 9, 9.30 p.m., and winding down in that time. It's not go, 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 be on the computer screen, blue light coming into your eyes, and then get into bed, lie down and sleep on demand. Sleep is actually more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And we do have to um, signal to our brain that we're getting ready for bed, because our brain needs to be producing this melatonin. And as I talked about earlier, with melatonin and cortisol being inverse hormones, We want to be going to sleep when our melatonin is the highest and our cortisol is the lowest. Well, that happens between 10 and 11 p.m. at night for every human. So that's the ideal time to be turning out the light. But prior to that, we need to tell our brain to start producing melatonin because with the advent of electricities and screens, it's not getting that signal naturally, Back in our hunter-gather days, before the advent of electricity, the signal was simply dusk. So now we have to take steps to teach our brain this. And so I recommend a bedtime hygiene routine for everyone. And as moms, you probably have created one for your kids. I know I did. And at the time, my kids are adults now, but at the time, I thought I was doing it for them and to make it easier for me because they knew the routine, so therefore they'd be, in general, more cooperative, knowing what was coming next, and we could go through the flow more easily. But what I now know is that I was actually helping their little brain know when to produce melatonin so they could get into a better sleep. And we all need that, not just kids. So a a routine of four to six things that you do every day for 30 days in a row is about how long it takes to create a habit will start triggering your brain to go, oh, she's doing this. So then she's going to do this. So she's going to do this and she's going to get into bed. So I'm going to start producing melatonin now. That's what we all need to be doing. So four to six things could be anything from, you know, start dimming the lights in the house. Do you need every light on in the house in the evening? Maybe you have a dog and you need to walk the dog. Maybe it's cleaning up the house, doing the dishes etc maybe it's doing some yoga stretching or some kind of meditation to just calm the brain maybe it's having a shower brushing your teeth and washing your face and putting your pjs on and then getting into bed and reading so it's whatever works for you if there's not one set routine Mm -hmm. it's figure out what works for you and follow those in the exact order every single night and the other key thing is blocking that blue light so on a TV, you're going to be want to wanting to wear blue light blocking glasses for a computer or a phone or iPad. Turn on your night shift because blue light is the same kind of light that's emitted by the sun at high noon. So that is not telling the brain that I got to start producing melatonin and get ready for bed. And in fact, blue light will block melatonin production for 30 minutes After you've been on the computer for every hour, you've been on it. Wow. So if you've been on a computer for three hours in the evening, which how easy is that to do in this day and age, our world is on our computers, zoom, and you name it. That's 90 minutes once you turn it off before your brain can even start producing melatonin. So again, this information isn't you know, taught through public health or through our education system. So people just don't know. They don't know the daily habits they have that are getting in the way of them sleeping well. But when we know better, we do better. And so I'm hoping everybody listening here today can take this information and make some changes. Start to get off your computer earlier. Set timers in your phone to prompt you to get off that computer earlier. Or install a blue light blocking um, program. Um, the one I use I think it's it's called justgetflux.com and it's got a gps in it so it knows exactly where I am when I travel it recognizes I've moved and asks me you know is this right so that at dusk it's flicking from blue light to yellow light. It does make my screen look different. I'm not going online shopping for clothing in the evening because I can't tell what the real colors of those clothes are but mm-hmm. what I do know is that I'm protecting my eyes from the blue light and I can, then I don't have the melatonin being blocked when when I get off my computer. Well, wow,
0: that's some, that's, that's a really great tip. Um, do you have any other tips that for people that may feel out of balance with their body?
1: I have so many, <laughs> <laughs> so, so many tips. So, um, If it's around sleep, very often we're out of balance again because of stress, right? So stress is such a factor that we have to be addressing. And we have to understand that we can be empowered in lowering our stress. And that's going to look different for every single person. Because in lowering our stress, we need to be finding something that brings us joy, right? Mm -hmm. But a couple of the things that are super helpful... For lowering stress and boosting our sleep are at bedtime, having a journal by your bed. And one is to brain dump. So often we go to sleep and we're just thinking about everything we have to do the next day. Mm -hmm. So we have that swirling around in our brain as we fall asleep. And guess what? It swirls around in our brain all night. And we might wake ourselves up in the middle of the night and immediately start thinking of these things and not be able to get back to sleep. But if you do a brain dump into your journal of basically writing down everything that you're thinking about that you have to do tomorrow, you're putting it in writing. Your brain can let it go. I tell people to literally think of these words, these this to-do list, flowing out of their hand into the pen and onto the paper so the brain is releasing it. So that is one stress off the brain because it's no longer charged with remembering it. It doesn't have to do that anymore because when you wake up in the morning, it's going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And secondly, going to sleep happy. And we do that with a gratitude journal. Three things, three things that you are grateful for that happened in your day. And initially, that might feel weird. It might be hard to come up with three things. So come up with two one day if you can't come up with three. But as you get used to doing this, the beautiful thing about it is that as you go through your day, when something good happens, your brain will go, oh, I have to remember that for my gratitude journal. And guess what? Your brain starts looking for good things instead of for bad things. It is charged with keeping us safe. So it does typically look for bad things. And then we dwell on those bad things. So this gratitude journal shifts the brain away from that and into looking for good things. And if you go to sleep and your last three thoughts as you turn out the light are things that you're grateful for, your brain is happy. And now it gets to go to sleep in a much more relaxed, happy state than it has been previously. Very often, people will go to sleep after watching the late night news. Well, guess Mm -hmm. what the late night news is doing? It's putting you into your chronic stress state. And they do that on purpose because when you're in your chronic stress state, you keep watching your brain is looking for the danger so I tell people to turn off the television news it's just trying to target you and have you in that chronic state stress state and you don't need to use both your your hearing and your vision to take all of this in you can still get the news by reading it online but it's just one sense that's being used listening to it on the radio one sense that's being used you have a whole lot more control over turning it off. And there's way less drama than on the television news. Yeah, so that's, that's a whole bunch more tips, I think. <laughs> so let's talk
0: about self-care. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, as women, I think doing this toward women, but I know a lot of men as well, that we tend to think anytime we take time for ourselves, it's selfish.
1: Mm-hmm. And I used to think that, too. And when my kids were little, I had to look after everyone else. And I was last if there was time. Mm -hmm. So that's why I created that mantra I said earlier, which I'm going to repeat again, because it is so, so important. And it is such a mind shift. And if people want to write it down and put it on a sticky and stick it on their fridge, stick it on their bathroom mirror, stick it in their car and say it to themselves every day until (laughs) they feel in their body that, yes, I can buy into this that mantra is self care is the most selfless act because it allows you to show up and give the world the best of you instead of what is left of you. And everyone is happier when we're showing up and giving the world the best of us from our family to our colleagues, to ourselves. But it does take commitment. And just like the commitment to changing your bedtime routine, it also takes commitment to stepping into self care. Many people will say, I don't have time, right? But what are you using your time for now? Are you watching an hour or two hours of TV at night? Are you scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and realizing, you know, an hour suddenly gone? what if you could take that time to practice self-care that brings you joy and again it can be anything it could be yoga it could be meditation it could be going for a walk it could be calling a girlfriend or a loved one you know in different times it could be going to a movie going to a mall hanging out people watching going to a restaurant for me in summer it's paddleboarding. for me in winter it's skiing There's so many things that we can do, and it's different for all of us. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Self-care doesn't mean you have to go for a massage every week or get your nails done every week, right? There's things that we can be doing that don't cost anything at all. But for most people, the barrier is time, not money, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we find that time? We'll do a time audit. Where are you spending your time? Write down every day for seven days. What time did you wake up? You know, getting ready for work, traveling to work, time you're at work, da 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 And what are you doing in the evening when you're coming home? Yes, you're probably preparing meals. But then what about after that? Right. There's always time lost on devices <laughs> and to television. Right. And another window could be your lunchtime and Another way to do it is maybe it's 15 minutes of something four times a day if you can't find an hour at the beginning as you start shifting habits if you can't find an hour all at once you can break it up into you know 15 minute walks or calling someone for 15 minutes etc cetera, etc cetera. it's a matter of choosing to prioritize it and putting it in your calendar When you put it in your calendar, it's far more likely to get done. And so that's what I do. I block my self-care time. For me, I like to do it in the morning, right? So I generally will not start my day until 10 o'clock so that I have time to get up and get myself, get breakfasted. I do, like, look at email and do admin stuff first. Then I do my self-care before I start taking calls with clients because then I know it's done for the day. I love starting my day that way because it also makes sure that my stress level is lower. But other people might be different and their best time of day might be right before bed. So it's up to each individual to figure it out, but block it in your calendar. Because when you block it in your calendar, you are in control of your time and it's not being stolen from you by other people, right? And yes, things might come up and I might have to shift my self-care, but then I'm still in control of doing that. And depending what it is that comes up, maybe it's doing something with friends. Well, that might be another form of self-care. And I might switch one out for the other. Maybe it's I'm doing an interview with someone overseas and do the time difference. I need to be doing that at 7.30 a.m. when I would otherwise be doing my self-care. That's fine. Now I have the choice. Do I want to do that? Yes, I do. So when else in my day am I going to build in that self-care time on that day? And when I'm in control, I feel much less overwhelmed, much less stress. I know I'm looking after me and I can show up and give the world the best of me.
0: I love the idea of what you just said about even if you can't find an hour to schedule in like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, because I, most people wouldn't think about that. Most people think, oh, I don't have time for anything. They right. have 10 minutes sometimes, you know. Even in carpool line, you could probably do some kind of self-care in carpool line, whether it's listening to a book on tape or reading a book or something like that.
1: Exactly. Totally. And so I always have a book with me for that reason, that if I you know, have to pick up one of my kids, less so now, like I said, they're adults, but over the years, if I had to pick them up somewhere, I didn't want to be sitting there stuck doing nothing and wasted time because my time was precious. But if I was sitting there and they were running late and I was reading a book that I was enjoying or listening to a podcast that I was enjoying, then I didn't mind. It was almost like the fact that I had to wait for them was a gift of time to me to do something for myself. I know now that COVID has completely, well, the
0: United States is coming back on. But before when it was shut down, I missed the traveling, even though I had huge anxiety for driving. I missed it because i would put a podcast on and drive and it would be like people were in the car with me you know it's crazy but to actually listen but now it seems like it's just another thing on my chore to try to catch up on podcast whereas if i was driving it would be something to do to keep me occupied and just kind of like relax but now it's like I something else on the chore list
1: i feel the same way so i used to drive between whistler and vancouver several times a month. And that's, you know, an hour and a half to two hour drive one way. So I could knock off a whole bunch of podcasts. And I love listening to podcasts. There's so many great podcasts out there and so much great learning, right? And so now I factor in time to walk and listen to podcasts, I may not listen to the whole podcast in one walk. So again, it's kind of like breaking it up, it might take me two or three walks to get through a longer podcast. Um, but I love it. And on the Nota podcast, I've actually just recently launched my own. Uh, it came out last two weeks ago, yesterday. It's called Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call. And I'm bringing information to people in bite sized chunks of tips like I've been sharing here of what people can do in order to start prioritizing their health as my banner behind me says, health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And it's my mission to shift our mindset around health, that it's not all about getting sick and going to the doctor and being given a pill and getting better. That system is absolutely failing us. But there's so much that we can do to and be empowered in our health and prioritize it once we know this information, which isn't taught through public health and isn't taught through our education system. So I share it. So I was talking about sleep earlier with you. And episode five is a similar uh, episode on sleep. And the whole month is on sleep. This Saturday, there's an episode coming out um, that I interviewed a lady who's in California, and she's created weighted sleep sacks for babies and young children to help improve their sleep. So that's an interesting conversation and podcast and has the ability to help so many people, right?
0: Yeah.
1: How many parents out there are struggling with new little ones that don't sleep? I honestly wish I'd known about this when my kids were little. The company didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish it had, right? So Yeah, if people are interested in tuning in, um, I would love to invite you to do so. Subscribe, rate, review, and keep on listening because I hope to be bringing great feedback or great information to people. And I've had great feedback so far in just these first five episodes.
0: Wow. And five episodes and you launched it two weeks ago. So how many episodes drop a week then?
1: Just one. So when you launch, you have to provide four to get approved and then after that they come out every saturday so it it launched march 2nd and we didn't know when during that week it would get approved so the next episode came out last saturday and then this saturday and it'll be every saturday from now on
0: wow i didn't know you had to go through approval process
1: that's that's, yeah apple has to approve you huh yeah and once they approve you then Uh, And I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm guessing because they're the big one, big name in podcasting. Once they approve you, then everybody else will approve you. So you just start with them. And then after you get that approval, then you can push your podcast out to all the other um, podcast listening apps and you get accepted and then people can find you everywhere.
0: Hmm, That's interesting. So let's talk back about getting um, in balance so you're out of balance. How? What are some of the things to do to get back into balance? Of
1: course, it all depends on your health, right? Absolutely. So for everyone, it's different. So there isn't one generic answer that works for all humans, right? So one of the easiest ways is if you've discovered you're out of balance, which you can discover with doing my quiz, and that's an indication of being out of balance as a result of your toxic load. One of the things that you can do is... I offer a 21-day detox program that I guide people through that help you literally empty your trash cans. And just that is a reset for your body that starts bringing your body back into balance. And, you know, detox is a kind of a buzzword these days and marketers use it. And yes, you can go to a grocery store and find a detox. That's not the same as what this program is. This program is designed by a naturopathic doctor using Orthomolecular medicine using Ayurvedic medicine in order to truly uh, reset the body and help empty the trash cans, as opposed to just taking a few pieces of trash out, which is what the other ones are going to do for you, right? And we do this through several ways, but one of them that's absolutely critical is supporting the liver in phase two of detoxification, which is the phase where the liver's converting these toxins into a format that they can actually exit the body. Our body needs very specific nutrients to do this, which are no longer in our soil because our soil systems are depleted. So we need to supplement. So we do that in this program in order to nourish the liver the liver is literally chronically undernourished and overburdened. So the high toxic load is overburdening it and the nutrients aren't there, so it's undernourished. So we're now flipping that on its head. We are going to nourish the liver and we're going to release the burden by getting the toxins out. And there's several stages to that process, one of which is putting the body into a state of autophagy, which is what I like to call deep cleaning. And our little cleaners come out and clean our entire digestive tract. Our body wants to be clean, but it's only in the Western world where we've decided that having a shower and washing our outer body is enough because all of these other cultures, Ayurvedic, Latin American, Asian, they still detox to this day in order to clean the inner body. And we need to do that because 90 to 95% of all disease starts with the environment you create inside your body. So I help people create an environment that is inhospitable to disease. So that's step one. Step two is let's run your functional medicine labs. And again, this is where I have a conversation with people first. I offer a complimentary 30-minute conversation to get to know you, your health struggles, and determine what labs are going to be best for you. These labs are mailed to your home, so very COVID friendly they're a urine sample, saliva sample, a hair clipping, or a blood spot. So you prick your finger and drop blood onto a little card. So very easy to do at home. You send them off to the lab. About four weeks later, I get the results and review them with you. And then I provide you a personalized wellness protocol based on your exact results as to how we're going to bring your body back into balance. That's the easiest way because We're not guessing anymore. We're testing and we know exactly what's going on inside your body. However, on the holistic side of healthcare, people have to pay. There's a fee for all of this, right? These lab tests are not available through mainstream medicine. Why? Probably because... They help us get to root cause and they help you truly heal. And that's not what big pharma wants. So they're blocked. Many times doctors aren't even aware these labs are available. But an option to not doing the labs is in that 30-minute call with me, we're going to really get into your symptoms. I'm going to have you fill out an intake form and try to narrow down to the best of my ability with you as to what's going on. And then we'll start a healing protocol. It may take longer because very often symptoms for this and symptoms for this can be quite similar, right? So it's mm-hmm. okay, let's try this first and if that doesn't work now we're going to try this, right? Whereas when we lab test we know oh it's this and we go straight there. Mm-hmm. Wow. It
0: sounds like there's it's it's a combination of the western and the eastern medicine together.
1: Correct. 100%.
0: 100%. I love that. So what take us through somebody's coming to you very beginning. They're like, okay, fix me. I'm out of balance. So you said you had the 30 minute conversation. If they decided to do the labs, you do the labs. Is it all over Canada or is there all over the world that you can work with people?
1: I can work with the English speaking world. So, uh, you know, obviously if they don't speak English, I'm not able to help them, but also the labs, etc., don't deal with the non-English speaking world. So, all over the world, because these labs can be shipped anywhere, and then that person ships them back to the lab. I get the results, and I do all of my work over Zoom. So, people can be anywhere.
0: Wow, that is, that is, that's like, it's blowing my mind right now because I know there's a lot of people that don't want to get to the doctors because one, they're scared that they're going to, you know, be on medicine the rest of their life, or they're scared that something really. That has happened. So they don't want to have to deal with it, you know, but this is like a different route for them to see where their body's out of balance to get back in balance. And maybe their health is 100% better, maybe not hundred percent, but close enough to hundred percent.
1: Exactly. And you know what, even when they help their health starts improving 20%, they start feeling better. And then they're like, Oh my God, I'm on the right track. And they want to keep going. Right. I have people who, sign up for the detox, sign up for the labs. And even during the 21 days of that detox, they start feeling so much better, they're blown away. And they had no idea how these small shifts and just getting their toxic load out could have such impact in terms of better sleep, better energy, just feeling better in their body, et cetera, less fatigue, less brain fog, more mental clarity, therefore more productivity. Just in a week, two weeks, some people, Right. I have a lady who recently, and this is one of my podcast episodes. It's called She Was a Ghost of Herself. She had struggled for a number of years. And in three weeks, we were able to completely turn that around. I, when I work with people, I always invite them to consider how long have you been struggling? And how much longer are you going to struggle if you do nothing? So even if I'm providing you a protocol that I want you to be on for 12 weeks or 24 weeks at the outset, that's not very long compared to the struggle. And as I said, they start feeling better in the first three weeks, so then they're happy to keep going for the next 21 going, wow, how much better can I feel? Mm -hmm. I often ask that question, just how good are you willing to allow yourself to feel? Okay, our time is
0: almost up. Is there one little nugget that you can leave us with?
1: That nugget is really, ask yourself, what do you want out of life? Do you want to live a long, productive life of energy and vitality and be there for your grandkids? Or do you want to struggle with your health? Do you want to possibly end up in a nursing home you know, not sure of who's coming to visit. In today's world, the reality is, is we are dying longer and living shorter. Let's flip that around. Let's live longer and die shorter, right? Make the most of our life. The only way we can do that is if we choose to take proactive action in our health. And it starts with understanding your imbalances, working with someone to help you lower your stress, improve your sleep, improve nutrition, improve exercise, all baby steps. We don't do everything at once. That would create overwhelm. But all little baby steps to get you on the right path to healing where we're looking at your whole being, your body, your mind, your soul. And that's when we can create optimal health. And where can people find you at? My website is yourguideofhealthjourney.com. Uh, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. and LinkedIn, I'm just as Melissa Dealey. And then my podcast is Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call. So there's lots of places that I'm at. And as I said, I offer a 30-minute complimentary session. And uh, you can get to that from my website. All right.
0: Melissa, I want to thank you so much for joining us and for talking about health. And because that's one things that I think women – put on the low bottom of their their totem pole is on the bottom after everything else. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I totally agree. And I hope it's inspired some people to move it up that totem pole towards the the top. When we look after ourselves first, we can look after the others in our life.
0: All right, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was a really interesting talk with Melissa. She started talking about all these tips about stress and sleeping, and I'm like, oh, she's hitting the nail on the head with me, and I hope it resonated with some of you guys as well. I really wanna thank you for listening in. I hope we didn't get too far into women's issues. Um, Males also who are listening, you actually can learn a little bit about the sleep and the stress as well. like I said, I will. I linked in the show notes all the ways you can contact Melissa if you're interested in working with her. Um, the free gift is also in the show notes, where you can go in and take a quiz about discovering your toxic load and how you can empty your body's trash cans, which are, as she said in the interview, um, the kidney and the and the liver. And also, real quick there was something that she wrote that I just kind of her mantra that she said that I just wrote down as we were chatting and I really want to bring this home to you guys because many times self-care is looked down upon like oh you're going to get your nails done that's a form of self-care oh well you're just trying to keep up appearances you know for some women they really enjoy sitting there like for me for instance I enjoy going to the beauty salon or going to my hairdresser and getting my hair washed. Somebody else washing my hair and just sitting back and just letting someone else do it for once. it just is so relaxing to me. So I make a point of every six weeks, I don't go every week, but every six weeks I go and that's my me time. Um, Sometimes I go two times during the six weeks, especially with my hair because my hair gets very heavy and it's starting to get summer and neck issues. So I get it chopped a little bit and then I go back and get it colored. So, the mantra that she said, and please remember this, if you don't remember anything else from the interview, this is the mantra. This is what I need you to remember. Self-care is the most selfless act. It allows you... Excuse me. Self-care is the most selfless act. It allows the world the best of you instead of what is left of you. And I love that. So, mamas, new mamas, mamas that are in their trenches raising kids right now, Dads even that are in there, single dads. Dads are actually raising dads who are working 50, 60 hours a week to put bread on the table. Moms the same way. Women who are all, everybody across the board. Self-care is not selfless. Selfish. It's selfless. and it allows the world to get the best of you. Instead, what is left of you. So think about that next time when you're all stressed out. And on that note, thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. I am coming up on the 200th episode. We're at 126 now, I believe. But on the 200th episode, I'm planning a big giveaway. So if you are interested, please like, leave a review, and a rating for the show. Um, subscribe. If you're on YouTube and you're, you go over and watch YouTube, please subscribe to that as well. And I want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. I really could not do this without you. I am loving all these women that I'm um, talking to. And there are so many interesting ones interviews coming down the road. So I can't wait for you guys to hear those. So as always, be blessed. And keep chatting.